Hey, everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. In May of 2022, Darren Harrison went fishing in the Bahamas. To get home, he booked a ride on the Cessna 208 caravan with a friend. They had a very experienced pilot. Darren had flown in that plane many times, so when the plane got closer to Florida, Darren took his shoes off, put his feet up on the seat in front of him, and went to sleep. He was awakened by the pilot shifting in his seat. And suddenly the pilot looked back at Darren and the other passenger and said, guys, I don't feel good. I've got a headache and everything's fuzzy. I don't feel right. Darren bolted up in his seat and he said, what do you need us to do? But there was no answer because at this moment, the pilot was unconscious. The plane nosedived toward the ocean at 340 miles an hour. It's amazing what a mind and body can do in a moment like that. In a blink of an eye, Darren jumped into the cockpit, grabbed the yoke, and pulled back as hard as he could. Later, he would say all he could think about was his pregnant wife and his soon-to-be-born daughter. He grabbed a headset, got a hold of the Fort Pierce Control Tower in Florida, and he said, I got a serious situation here. My pilot is incoherent. I don't have any idea how to fly an airplane. And air traffic control asked him, what's your position? He said, I have no idea what my position is. He said, I see the coast of Florida in front of me, but that's all I know. The tower team knew they needed to get a flight instructor. And the only one available was a guy named Bob Morgan who was eating lunch. They got a hold of him and they said, we need you to get to the tower now. When he got to the tower, he saw the situation, he realized two things very quickly. Number one, he was going to have to coach Darren's every move. Stakes were high, something went wrong, three people were gonna die. The second thing that he knew, and I find this really interesting, is that he could not talk pilot language. He could not use jargon. He'd have to find simple words that would keep Darren calm. In a comforting voice, he said, I'm going to guide you to Palm Beach International Airport, just stay calm. We're going to make it. And with Bob's help, Darren flew north up the coastline to the Palm Beach Airport. Short time later, Darren was lining up with the runway. Airspeed looked good. Descent looked good. But then it happened. All the screens in the cockpit went dark. There were a couple of explanations as to what might have caused that, or was it because Darren had polarized glasses? We just really don't know. But he did radio in, Bob, my screens, they're gone. I can't see anything. And calm as a cucumber, Bob said, it's all right. I can see your speed. I can see your altitude. I'll tell you when to pitch up or pitch down. I'll tell you what to do. Just follow my instructions. As you're listening to this story, you're expecting good news, aren't you? And you should. Because even though Darren had never flown a plane before in his entire life, he very gently glided down toward runway 10. There was a crowd watching him. All the air traffic controllers in the airport had shoehorned into the tower to watch him, and they held their collective breaths. Suddenly, the tower radio crackled. Hey, I'm on the runway. How do I stop this thing? The control tower burst into cheers, and that day a man who had never flown a plane before in his life successfully landed a Cessna 208. 
All three passengers survived. Turned out the pilot had a tear in his aorta, and after nine-hour surgery, he was fine. A week later, when the Today Show interviewed Darren, they asked him, how did you do this? I love his answer. He said, the hand of God was on that plane. That's the only thing I can attribute it to. There's no other explanation for it. Let me ask you a question. On a scale of one to 10, how important was the tower that day? I mean, suppose Darren had said, I don't know you. I'm not sure your name is Bob. I don't know that you know what you're doing. I'm not sure I can trust you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to figure this out for myself, and I'll just make it up as I go. That would have been crazy, wouldn't it? Our series is called Flying by Instruments. And if you were here last weekend, you know how this series came to be. Really, eight years ago, I was doing a series called Takeoff, and it was on the Sermon on the Mount, and I guess it's still available somewhere. But we had a 737 over my head on those days. Our set shop is amazing. And I asked my friend Joe Beck, who you saw on the screen a few moments ago, I asked Joe to just meet me at Starbucks and give me some language so that, like I said last week, I wouldn't sound as ignorant as I am. So he started off very basically. He said, Pastor, there are two kinds of pilots. There are VFR pilots. There are pilots who fly on visual flight rules. They're, they're relegated basically to what they can see out their windshield. Obviously, the weather has to be fairly good for that to be the case. But then he said there are pilots who are so well-trained that they actually trust their instruments, even if what they can see out their windshield is not good, if there is no visibility, if the weather is bad. They, they, they know not to trust what they look out their windshield and see. They know how to trust their instruments because sometimes, in fact, often in flying, especially with less experienced pilots, one's sight and one's perception can be wrong. You heard Stacy last week in the video talk about when he first started flying, how that there was a moment where he felt because of his vestibular system, his inner ear, that he was banking hard to the left when in reality he was flying level. And you heard Stacy say, if I hadn't had an experienced pilot with me and if I hadn't trusted my instruments, he said, I wouldn't be here today or might not be. When I heard that difference between VFR and IFR, I thought I have just heard the best definition of faith I've ever heard. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, even if you just have a cursory knowledge of the Bible, you will know that faith is more important to God than anything. I mean, the Bible speaks of it all the time. In fact, Scripture says that the way to get to heaven it's not by joining a particular church. It's not by giving money. It's not even by doing good things. It is by, the Bible says, grace through faith. If faith is my doorway into heaven, it's extremely important. And as you read the New Testament over and over, especially the words of Jesus in the Gospels, he was always looking for faith. That's how he measured the strength of a person's commitment. Did they have faith or did they not have faith? And so since faith is so important, in fact, let me just say this. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not difficult, impossible. And the Bible also says whatever is not of faith is sin. It's just that important. 
And the reason why I'm taking time, and I wanna, I wanna bring a whole series on this one concept is, is this. If we have the wrong definition of faith, then we could really be screwed up. So faith, I want you to hear that definition of IFR one more time. It is being able to trust your instruments because the instruments are superior information to what we can see and how we feel. Many people believe that the definition of faith is wanting to believe something so much that they believe it anyway. That's not faith. That's fantasy. Many times I've heard Christians say, well, I have faith that God is going to do this. And when I hear it, I'm a little troubled because I know they have faith in something that God has not promised them. Now, I think what they're describing for me is hope. Because hope is a combination of desire and expectations. And sometimes that can be based on faith. But like, if I'm looking at the future here and I say I have faith that God is going to do something, but it's not a promise that he's given me, that's not faith. Faith is putting confidence in the instruments. Faith is putting confidence in the word of God. So today, I'm going to kind of move away just from the concept of instruments. I want to focus today on just the tower. I want to take you to some verses in the Bible that are very special to me. I use these verses so many times when I'm preaching a funeral. I preached my niece's funeral on Tuesday, and I use these verses. Now, I want to take you to the chapter in the Bible that is the most definitive chapter to answer the question, what happens the moment you die? That is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And there's much more there that answers that question. But I want to extract two extremely important verses. Now, I'm going to give you verse 6, and I'm going to give you verse 8. Notice, in the essence of full disclosure, I'm skipping a verse. I will come back. Let's look at verse 6. Verse 6 is, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Now, verse 8. We are confident, I say, and we would prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Those are the two living conditions of a God follower. We, in this existence right now, are present in our bodies. But we are physically absent from the Lord. Now, you know you're in your body today. When you got out of your car in the parking lot to walk in here, that frigid Kansas temperature reminded you that you are present in your body and you are not in heaven. Now, we know the Holy Spirit of God lives within us, but we can't just sit and talk to Jesus. How many times would I have loved to have done that? As pastor of this church, I've had to make thousands of decisions through the years. And so many times I would have loved to have just had a little interview with Jesus where I could have bounced something off of him and said, Lord, what do I do here? Thankfully, the Holy Spirit is within us, but I cannot sit down and talk to Jesus. No wonder Paul said we would prefer to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's what happens when we leave this life. I mentioned my niece. When she left this this world, she was absent from that very broken body and immediately present with the Lord. Now, the Bible says, and we talked about this in our series last year on Revelation, that there is coming a thousand-year kingdom of Jesus on the earth. Now, I get asked the question sometimes, Mark, why do we have a thousand-year 
kingdom of Jesus on the earth when after that is the eternal state. Listen, guys, and I don't want to get back into Revelation right now, but I'm tempted to do it. There are three main eras of time. There is this world existence where if you want a description of it, it is things made wrong. That is what happened with sin. The eternal state is all things right. That state of Jesus being on the earth is things being made perfect, things being made forever right. Now, in that thousand-year kingdom, we are going to live natural lives in supernatural bodies. Every once in a while, I get the idea from Christians that heaven is about, you know, becoming an angel and floating around on a cloud and twanging on a harp. My ADD would not enjoy that very much. We're going to be doing everyday stuff. We're going to be working on jobs. We're going to be spending time with friends. We're going to be recreating. But now here's the thing. In that millennial kingdom, what, what's different from today for you and me is if something comes up and we don't know how to handle it, we're not sure what to do. Imagine what it's like to go sit down with Jesus and say, Lord, how should I handle this? Well, you'll be able to. Now somebody could say, Mark, are you making that up? No, I want you to hear the words of Isaiah Chapter 2, verse 3, and there are many, many verses in the Old Testament, especially that talk about this time frame, that kind of say this. The Bible says, people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. So no wonder Paul said, we would prefer to be absent from the body and present physically with the Lord. We can go talk to him anytime we want to. We can hear him teach. Oh, I can't wait to do that. But I even said it at the time. I left out a verse, didn't I? There is a verse sandwiched in between we're in this body and absent from the Lord, and someday we're going to be absent from this body and present with the Lord. Now I want to go back and show you the verse in the middle. Before I do, let's go back to verse 6, because the verse I'm going to show you reflects back on verse 6. Verse 6 is we're always confident and know that as long as we're home in this body, we're away from the Lord. Now, how, how do we understand that? I mean... Work with me for a second. If, if I am present in this body and absent from the Lord, how can I be confident? I mean, and Paul threw his hat over a high wall there because he said, always confident. Now, I can see how that could be in verse 8. You know, when we're absent from this body and present with the Lord. Paul, I get you there. I mean, I can be confident there because I can go talk to Jesus. I mean, I can be always confident you know, living a natural, a, super, a natural life in a supernatural body. But Paul said, right now, the existence that I have right now, I can be always confident. How? Here's the missing verse. Verse 7, and this is the verse that gave me the idea for this series. We live by faith and not by sight. Just like Darren we live in a world that is not our home. Darren was not at home in the cockpit. He was not a pilot. He was not at home where he was. He was not at home in that situation. It was unfamiliar to him. Same thing with us today. You can say, Mark, I know how to handle my life. Listen, you don't know what's going to happen an hour from now. We, we, we don't understand life. We don't know how to navigate We've never been here before. We all know deep inside we can't figure it out. And making it up as we go, like most people, is a disaster. But here's the deal. The Bible says we are confident because like Darren, we listen to the tower. 
You see, that is faith. One more time, I I just got to shake us all because people have the idea that faith is just wanting to believe something. That is not faith. That is fantasy. We need to lose that concept that is so prevalent in America. Faith is having superior information. It is trusting your instruments. It is trusting something that is more secure than my own sight or my own feelings. And the Bible says we live by faith and not by sight. We're not VFR pilots. Well, you understand what I'm getting at. I mean, when we talk about the tower here, you know, I mean, towers elevated. Consequently, we're talking about listening to God. And that's how we can be confident. We can be confident when we have God's word on something. He's never lied. He's, he's never faced a situation. I mean, just think about this. Anytime you go talk to God in prayer, you never get, you never get an answer that heaven is closed because of inclement weather. Or God saying, well, I don't know. I have to check the budget on that and see, get back to you. No, no. You serve a God who never lies, never fails, has, I mean, I was talking to Austin before, before I came out here. I've never been in a sermon series. I've never been in a church experience where the songs we sang and the sermon you're hearing just go hand in glove. And, and, and I was, Austin and I were talking over here before we came, we came up here. We didn't get together on that. That's just the Holy Spirit building a worship experience for you where you are more inclined to listen to God. Let's get practical for a moment. How does God speak to us? 99% of what you need to hear from God is in a manual, and we call it the Bible. You know, I've been in this book. I've accepted Christ when I was eight years old. I've been preaching since I was 16, a pastor since I was 20. I live in this book, and I gotta tell you something. This book, this book has the word of God. Let me give you some scripture, because a lot of people will ask me the question, especially skeptics. They'll say, Mark, how do you know some guys just didn't get together in a room and write the Bible? That's gotta be one of the stupidest. People say there's no such thing as a stupid question. That is... I mean, the Bible's written over 1,600 years by, over four, by 44 authors who didn't know each other for the most part, and yet there's an integrity. You can cut the Bible in just about any place and it'll agree with itself. I got to tell you something. I don't even agree with some of my old sermons. Mary Alice wanted to release an old sermon series on Revelation I preached in 91. I said, I can't release that. I don't even agree with some of the things I said. <laughs> Listen to what the Bible says about itself. Scripture says all scripture is inspired by God, all. Now, the word inspired there is a very interesting word. It's two Greek words that are jammed together, theo and pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. You can can guess what that second word means. I mean, we use that prefix, words like pneumatic, pneumonia. It is the Greek word for breathe or breath. And Theo is the word for God. So basically, when the Bible says all scripture is inspired, it's not like, wow, I saw a sunset and I felt like writing a song. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not that kind of inspiration. It is God breathed. And here's the deal. We know from the word of God, anytime God breathes into something, there's life there. Scripture says God sculpted Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and Adam became what? A living soul. So when you open the Bible, scripture is different from any other book. It is the God-breathed 
word of God. When you base your life on scripture rightly divided, rightly interpreted, you can know that you can make that decision like Paul said and be confident, always confident because you are listening to the tower. You're not going by what you see. You're not going by what you feel. You have the word of God on it. I have to tell you one more time, I've made so many decisions through the years. When I went against the grain, I went against I went against the, the, the popular beliefs at the time, but I knew I had the word of God, and I can promise you, decades later, those decisions have stood the test of time, not because Mark is a great leader, but because Mark had his confidence in the word of God. That is the power. All scripture is inspired of God. It is God's word. Now, here's the thing. If I want to fly by instruments today and I want to listen to the tower, I have to ask myself a question, and that is, how do I regard the Bible? Because there are three ways to regard the Bible, and I'll give you kind of a physical representation of that. For some people, the Bible is down here. They just don't have a lot of interest in the Bible. They don't have a lot of confidence in the Bible. They just sort of make it up as they go, trust their own ideas, deal with the politically correct, uh, correct concepts of our time. They got the Bible down here. And then there, this is popular today. A lot of people have the, uh, the Bible on an on a equal plane, you know. Here's what the Bible says, but what do I think about it? Well, it's kind of a salad bar approach to the Bible. I like this part. I don't like that part. So we can have kind of an equal plane. And then there are those of us who have the Bible up here, and we, we're under the word of God, and we're trusting God's word. That's what Scripture is talking about. And because it is God's word, it deserves that kind of commitment. Scripture says, now let me read the rest of that. All, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful. I love that word. You know, guys, I've never claimed to be a great preacher. I, I just, I, I got to tell you what my heart is. I, when I was young, I listened to a lot of sermons. And when I went out, it was like it went right over my head. And I didn't know what I heard. I didn't know how to interpret it. I always pray that when I stand before you, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're a committed God follower, or you're brand new, you're not even sure that you're spiritually committed yet. My goal is that when you walk out of here, you can say, well, there was part of that message that I know I can put to work in my life today. And it's one more time, it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with God's word. That is why here at New Spring, we don't teach what some denomination tells us to teach. That's why we're non-denominational here. We're not teaching what some religion teaches. We open the word of God to hear what God has to say so that we can be always confident. Now let's go back and read it again. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When you open the pages of God's word, there's information there for just about every situation in your life. And for the last three weeks of this series, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to look, look at what God's word has to say about situations that we fly in all the time. Next week is a message called traffic. And it's all about negotiating and dealing with relationships. What does God have to say about dealing with people in my life? The people I love, the people who are difficult to deal, deal with. We're going to talk about flying by instruments and relations, relationships in a message called traffic. We're going to talk about flying in difficult times when life turns ugly in a message called bad weather. And finally, we're going to talk about the importance of being experienced in God's word so that we can deal with crises when they come unexpectedly. 
Now, that's the first way that God speaks to us. God speaks through his word. Now, the second way that God speaks to us, and before I go here, I need to let us all know there is no substitute for what I'm about to talk about. And I, I've, I've been a pastor, like I said, for, um, well, a long time, shortly, almost 50 years. And I got to tell you something that I've seen, and I'm not trying to be negative today, but I have watched this, not necessarily at New Spring, but I've watched this with a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians are looking for some kind of substitute for what I'm about to describe. It's kind of like, well, I need to go to this seminar, I need to read this book, I need to watch this uh, podcast, and, and all those things can be good in their place. But I want to tell you something. Just like Americans, you know, we, we all know that we need good nutrition, we need exercise, we need to take care of ourselves. Americans would love to have a pill that would take the place of that. But there never is going to be a pill that takes the place of that. And just such, there's never going to be some kind of practice that will take the place of this second important way to hear from God. And here we go. It is daily, intimate time with God. It is time where you block everything else out and you just spend time alone with God. Not just talking to God, but listening to God. Someone will say, Mark, when I, when I spend time with God, I don't know what to say. Well, maybe God just wants you to listen to him for a little while. Open up the pages of the Bible. Begin In your alone time with God, just begin to read the Bible and say, God, speak to me through your word today. Time for you to talk to God. Time for you to tell God what's on your heart. Time for you to ask God for what you need. You know, most American Christians, according to statistics, most American Christians will never do that. They can listen to a podcast. They can watch something. They can watch some kind of Christian movie on television. But they never spend time with God. There is something about meeting every day with God, shutting out the rest of the world, when we, where we really begin to hear his voice. I don't have time to go through the story of Elijah in the Old Testament but at a time of supreme depression and anxiety in his life, Elijah, Elijah wanted to quit. And God put on a demonstration for Elijah because Elijah was expecting God to work in some kind of big, explosive, cataclysmic way. And, and there was this earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake. There was this windstorm. God wasn't in the windstorm. There, was, there, there were these cataclysmic experiences. And God wasn't in any of it. What happened next? The Bible says there was a quiet voice, and God was in there. Listen, guys, we're not going to hear God's quiet voice if we don't shut everything else out. We live in a technology-crazed world, and many of us, we can't hear God because we don't never turn our phone off. We can't hear God because we never, we never shut off the electronic devices. I mean, here's the thing. We call this the information age. It, it is the most junk information age in the history of the world. I'm not against it. Listen, guys, I have all the technological devices. I use them. But you and I, if we want to hear the voice of God, there is no substitute for just getting alone with him because that's when he'll start talking to you. Well, we have just a few moments left. Why should we listen to the tower? I know most of us are not going to ask that question literally, but you know, when I ask myself, Mark, do you really live your life fully confident that you are listening to the tower? The truth is, I'm not sure. So today, let's just do something. Let's have an exercise that'll close out this message. And, and, and I, I just love to ask these kinds of questions because I'm a practical person. I'm, I, I, 
I, I want to know the answer. Why should I trust the tower? Here's the first reason. And you heard Stacy refer to this a few moments ago. Number one, because the tower has authority. In my life, every day, I face spiritual situations like Darren, where I don't know how to make decisions. Who do I listen to to get those instructions? Who can I trust? I want to show you a couple of verses that will help us understand why it's so important and critical for us to listen to the tower. Here's the first one. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there, he rules over everything. Now, here's the deal. Now, listen, please. This is Because you can say, well, Mark, I'm not even sure. I I'm not sure about this. I think I can make my own way. I want you to hear something for a moment. You just read that God rules over everything that you have to deal with. Whether you're dealing with circumstances, whether you're dealing with people, whether you're dealing with problems, the word of God just says God rules over everything. So you know what? I want to listen to the person who's the boss. I want to listen to the person who controls everything. The Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like rivers of water. He turns it whichever direction he will. I mean, someone will say, well, Mark, I'm worried about this political situation, that political situation. Let me just tell you, God's in charge. So I should listen to the tower because he's over everything. And then listen to this. Scripture says in Psalm 100 verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. So here are two kind of parentheses. Here are two kind of bookend verses that help me understand why I should trust God. Number one, he rules over everything. Number two, he knows me. Wow, those are two very powerful reasons. If you open the pages of the Bible, you don't have to get very far to discuss or discover that from the beginning of the human race, our problem has been not trusting God's authority. And we see that in the first human story. Satan, our enemy, targets that confidence in God's authority because if he can get us not to trust the tower, a crash is guaranteed. Man, just look at our country today. Isn't it true that every time we shut God out, we get sicker and more lost? I know somebody can say, Mark, I kind of resent the idea that I don't know how to live my life. Why should I obey God when I don't agree with him? There, there are a lot of reasons. And the message, you know, I, it, I love every paraphrase in it, but this one's really good. In Proverbs 1, verse 30, the Bible says, speaking of God, because you wouldn't take my advice and brushed aside all my offers to train you, well, you've made your bed. Now lie in it. You wanted your own way, now how do you like it? Well, I can answer that question the times I've done that, not very much. God says, first pay attention to me, and then relax, and now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. There's comfort in authority. I don't have time to um, tell this story, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> A lot of people have the ideas that <clears throat> you should... Resent authority. I, I've talked to people before that bragged on that. I just don't like authority. Well, I, I can tell you, there's a line in this world between success and failure, and it has to do with response to authority. But here's the deal, and I think anyone who's, especially if you're at the top of your organization, I think you understand that authority is comfort. In other words, I, I, here's the story I'm going to tell you. I, re, I remember back in the very, very early days when I was here, I was co-pastor. I came, I came to Wichita in a transition. The previous pastor had been chairman of the faculty of the college I attended, had been a mentor of mine, and so he was 
close to retirement age, and so he asked if I would come and be with him. And for a while, we were co-pastors. But even though we were on an equal plane, I would still go to his office and say, Doc, what do you think I should do about this? This was at the old location. But I'll never forget the day when I was becoming lead pastor when I drove up to the old location and I saw them taking his name off the sign and putting my name up. And I had the worst feeling in my heart because I thought for the first time, I don't have an office where I can go and say, what should I do? In all the years we were there, I would never look at my name on the sign and you may notice my name is not on the sign at this church. You see, there's something very comforting about being able to go to the one who's in authority and saying, what should I do here? Number two, the question is, why should I trust the tower? Number two, because the tower is elevated. You don't need me to say this, but the tower is the highest spot in the airport. I travel a lot. I fly in and out of a lot of places. I always know I'm getting close to the airport when I can see the tower in the distance. Why is the tower elevated? Because ATC needs a better perspective. See, we need to listen to God because he can see what we can't see. Have you ever thought about the beginning of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven. You think in heaven is there just like we're addressing a letter to God and saying, well, this is where he lives? No. There are no words wasted in the Lord's Prayer. You see, Jesus taught us to pray our Father in heaven because before we ever start asking for things, he wants us to remind ourselves that God sees what I don't see. So before I start saying, God, I need this and I need that, it's my disclaimer. I'm saying, God, I think I know what I need. I think I know what I want you to do, but I recognize you see what I don't see. Our Father in heaven, in the tower. We can't interpret the past. I think that's the reason why many people struggle with anxiety and depression. We're trying to make sense out of our past. We can't, listen, guys, we can't even interpret our past. Number two, we don't know the whole story of what's going on in the present. How many times do we get into conflict with a person we love and we say, oh, I'm sorry I said that. I, I didn't know that. We can't interpret the past. We don't know the whole story of what's going on in the present. I mean, I love that part of the story where the tower, where Bob asked Darren, what's your position? Darren's like, I don't know my position. And that's kind of where I am in life. I mean, even in the present, I don't know my position. But there's one thing for sure we can't know, and that is we don't know the future. The future is God's domain. See, I need to listen to the tower because I don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now. And then there's a third reason why we should listen to the tower, and I'll close with this. We should listen to God today because the person in the tower sees you, knows you, and loves you more than you can imagine. My, my favorite part of the story I told you at the beginning is when Darren's screens blink out and he says, I can't see anything. And Bob says, but I see you. I see your altitude. I see your airspeed. And I know what to do. Just trust me. You should listen to God today 
because he sees you. He knows your position. He can tell you when to speed up and when to slow down, when to pitch up and to pitch down. And God loves you. I'm talking to somebody here, maybe here on the campus or watching on television or watching online, and you're like saying, Mark, I'm afraid to talk to God because I've ignored him for much of my life. I mean, I talk to him when I get into trouble, but I really, I really don't listen to God. I'm afraid to talk to God because I don't know if he would want to talk, talk to me. There's a verse in the Bible that I want to leave you with. Because you see, God was talking to some people that had just flipped him off and not paid him a lot of attention. Instead of God saying, I hate you, I'm going to destroy you. Here's what God said. Come now. Don't put it off. Come now. Let us reason together. God is like, let's dialogue. I'll talk to you. You talk to me. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. The tower is saying, come talk to me. Come talk to me. You may have never listened to me, but I see you. I know you. I know your airspeed. I know your altitude. Talk to me. Trust me. I'll get you safely home. Would you bow your head with me, please? I pray that somewhere in this message we've all gotten closer to God. Honestly, I feel so inadequate. I could preach 52 weeks on this subject listening to God and I couldn't even begin to exhaust it. But my prayer is that you will connect with God in a fresh way. I especially pray for those of you today that are dealing with a situation that is so far over your head you feel like it's impossible. Put on that headset today and call the tower. And you could be here today or watching online or television and you would just say, Mark, I don't even know that I know God. How do I know God? Do I need to join your church? I love this church like I love my life, but even with everything it is, it can't get you out of Sedgwick County when you die. You need God and nothing short of him. And the Bible says that God sent his son into this world to open the door for you, to make a way, to get rid of all of your sin and dysfunction. The Bible says that Jesus died for our sins. You can personalize it. Jesus died for my sins. And anytime Jesus does something, he does it 100%. And then he arose from the grave proving that he is who he said he was. And scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If I will believe that Jesus died for me, that's the gospel, that's the good news. If I believe that he arose from the grave and I invite Jesus to come into my life all my sins are washed away. My name is written in the census book of heaven. 
and I have an eternal relationship with God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. These are not magic words, but these are words that call out to God. And if you want to join me, you can. You don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray in your heart if you wish. I'll put a little buffer between each one of these sentences so that you can decide if you want to own it and say it to God from your heart. Here we go. Dear God, I am a sinner. I'm broken and I can't fix myself. But I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe he arose from the grave. And because Jesus is alive, I want him to be my savior. I receive him as my king. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Give me 30 more seconds. If you just pray with me online, on television, or here in the house, I have a gift box I want to give you. There's a New Spring Bible, just like I preach from. There's a book that I wrote, a little book that answers a lot of questions, some other cool stuff. If you're watching online or on television, just text the word PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97,000. Follow the steps, and we will mail this to you. No strings attached. If you're here on campus, you don't have to wait. Just text PRAYED to 97,000. Go back to any info center and say, I pray with Mark. And put it under your arm and take it home. God bless. We'll see you next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.